This episode is brought to you by Osprey. Tired of your tattered old climbing pack? It's time you met the zealot from Osprey. Osprey was born at the foot of the Sierras and came of age in the ranges, deserts, and canyons around Cortez, Colorado. And ever since, they've been elevating adventure through innovative pack design along the way. When it comes to climbing, their Zealot series is purpose-built and athlete-tested with ballistic nylon to defy years of dirtbagging. Their Zealot 40 is a proper crag bag, made with the same attention to detail and carrying comfort that Osprey is known for. And their Zealot 30 is made for your days that take you from work to the gym, using dual compartments to keep your everyday carrying and climbing gear separate. The Zealot is available online at osprey.com or at your local retailer. Hey everyone, Tommy Caldwell here. You know, everyone, at least in the climbing world these days, is trying to figure out ways to live more intentionally, to live a less impactful life. And one of the best things we as climbers can do to make that happen is to support and buy things from the companies that are doing the same thing, the companies that are figuring out ways to lower their carbon footprint, lower their chemical usage, make their products out of recycled materials, make products that just don't wear out. And, you know, the only company that's doing that well in the ropes and hardware space is Edelrid. They've been innovating the best products for over 100 years. They invented the sit harness. These days they make unquestionably the most high quality ropes, the lightest weight carabiners. And really, they're just awesome all around. So check them out at www.climbgreen.com. Welcome to the Dirtbag State of Mind podcast from the Climbing Zine. I am Luke Mihal, and this is our second episode for season five, another one I recorded down in Mexico with my dear friend Mark Grundon. Uh, this was actually the second interview that we did. First one was done in December in Potrero. The audio levels were off, and so it was kind of a... Uh, an interview we joke about it, I think in the beginning I had a couple interviews that didn't turn out but I was actually glad with Mark this podcast originally started I was just going to interview a lot of my friends that are that I write about in my book and Mark is certainly one of those people and you know some of my friends um, don't seem to want to even even do it or they're too reticent um, and with Mark I had to kind of um, I learned a lot about him as far as uh, interviewing him the first time. And so I think I was actually glad that we had that practice one because uh, Mark's very humble and reticent to talk about himself like a lot of climbers are, especially kind of the more old school climbers and especially some of my friends. Um, so I was glad to have the practice and I think this one turned out beautifully. It was done in El Pachero Chico. Um, Mark is the owner of El Pachero Chico Guides and he's quite prolific in Mexico and uh, he met his wife there uh, Norma and they have a, a child Isabella as well yeah I just really enjoyed this conversation with Mark and um, hope you all enjoy it as well our keep the zine alive campaign is still rolling I think we've ticked up above 230 subscribers when this episode comes out there's a new issue that's going to be hitting your mailboxes if you're a subscriber volume 23 it's got some great uh, material in there and uh, check the link in your show notes to support our keep the zine alive campaign and subscribe and also you can join uh, our patreon Uh, we've got ad-free episodes up on our patreon and we've got a lot of zine goodies uh, available when you sign up for that as well This episode of the Dirtbag State of Mind podcast is sponsored by Kilter. 
Looking for a fun way to train at home or at the gym? Check out the Kilter Board. The Kilter Board has innovative light-up holds, a progressive app with animated functions, climbs for all abilities, and two layouts to choose from with large international online communities for each. There are over 66,000 problems in the original Kilter Board layout, and the newer Homeboard layout comes with over 6,300 problems. You can set, tick climbs, make shareable playlists, watch send videos for motivation and beta, and even add your own videos to share with other users. The new map feature helps you find and connect to Kilter Boards nearest you. Kilter has multiple wall sizes and package options available, so we can help you get a Kilter board in almost any space. Check out Kilter at settercloset.com and look for more information in our show notes. This episode is also sponsored by Scarpa. Scarpa's approach to climbing shoe design mirrors their approach to the pursuit of climbing itself. They strive to evolve and incorporate new ideas and techniques every step of the way. They refine their strengths, train their weaknesses, and build on each success. Scarpa has been bolstering its climbing shoe foundations by continuing to create versatile, high-quality designs that satisfy the needs of climbers across a range of disciplines and skill levels. For more information, visit scarpa.com and look for a link in our show notes. All right, let's get into this episode of Conversation with Mark Grundon. I was starting this with a crack of a beer because I just spilled a beer to start the episode. Sip of a margarita. (laughs) More correctly, I put my beer down in a seat and then sat on my beer. (laughs) All right, I'm sitting here with Mark Grundon in uh, Hidalgo, Mexico, El Petrero Chico at Los Hueros. Welcome, Mark. Yeah, thanks. Here we are again. Again, <laughs> this is your second um, attempt. Uh, we recorded another episode at, uh, staring at um, the Moto Wall. And um, I messed up the audio as a new device. And I'm calling it the Vermont Curse because I messed up two episodes with Taylor Luneau, my good friend who's also from Vermont. And then I messed up yours, and you're also from Vermont. And those are the only three episodes I've ever messed up. Yeah. And also my only Vermont guest. We're from Vermont. We do what we want. (laughs) (laughs) And this is also the fourth time we've seen each other since September after not seeing each other for like three or four years. Our third time seeing each other in Mexico, in Potrero, this season. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. I can't believe he's still down here. It's the end of the season and the weather's bad back home. Or not bad, but it's not climbing weather back in Durango. And you're here with your family. Well, your family's in Monterey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. here before. <laughs> Isabel and Norma are off in Monterey. <laughs> um, but you came out of a s- crazy situation from California. You got avalanched out of your home, right? Well, I skied home for a couple hours, but basically hadn't been home for three weeks. And you're, you live in Mono City, right? Mono City. And an avalanche, what's the name of that highway? 395. Avalanche just came in all the way across 395 multiple yeah there's multiple slides that multiple slides it. and just shut down the highway yeah for three weeks and you your whole family was norma and isabella were still were they still here they came back from mexico were driving up from tijuana and then the avalanche happened in february they were coming back after your yeah after they, you all came down for your 40th birthday yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They, so they never made it home yeah because the roads closed that's so and crazy they're back here 
That's so crazy. Yeah. Um, and people got stuck, like people were stuck in their homes and stuff. Yeah, all the people yeah. in Mona City were like, no electricity, cut off from all stores, running out of gas, running out of propane. The National Guard landed a Chinook and brought them generators. Like, I was on the other side, skiing <laughs> powder and working and like, woo, sorry guys. Well, it's just like crazy circumstances for you to be back because I thought you were coming like right around now and you're just going to work a couple days and bounce because you had to bring me bolts. Yeah. Because um, I ran out of bolts. And if you're um, a climber and you're going through the Tier 1 airport, do not <laughs> carry on any climbing gear. They tried to steal Luke's bolts this time. They tried to take my rope, my slings. Tier 1 airport security. Beware. One of many pieces of knowledge you're going to drop during this, yeah, so this, <laughs> this podcast interview. Our history with Mexico is so interesting, but basically it's like your life was like in Mexico and California, and my life was in like Durango and the Creek. I'd only see you like once every couple of years down here in Mexico, Yeah. but you're kind of the reason I kept coming back to Mexico. I mean, I originally brought you to Mexico in 2006 on your first trip. Yeah. And you've kept coming back over the years, but you're really like the reason that I have kept coming back to Mexico. And now it's this interesting situation where we just put up our first route here together um, after... Yeah. We realized we had done our first, we did a series of routes together and we hadn't done a route together in like 17 years or something, right? Pretty crazy. Yeah. But I'm getting, I'm getting <laughs> way too, way too ahead of myself, but I just, I wanted the listener to know the situation we're in of like your situation with the avalanche and then I'm just kind of out here like enjoying life in Hidalgo. Um, but this place is really, it's brought us together for so many years and it's like, it's bringing us together now in a way that like... I, I hope that we're old men hanging out in Hidalgo. Yeah. Like, old, old guys. I, I hope that's uh, that's the case. And sure we'll, we'll so. talk about our new route here, too. But, um, I mean, I, I want to go back. I want to maybe go all the way back to, like, the uh, the Boy Scouts. Your climbing and everything starts with the Boy Scouts, right? Like, you first went top roving with the Boy Scouts in Vermont? The Boy Scouts, and then I quit. So I went, like, once or twice, and I was super psyched. I remember that, like, the rope stuck, like, Grundon's, like, Mark's super psyched, like, go, like, unstick the rope or something, and I was going to take a big swing, and I was like, yeah, I'm fine, and then they picked, like, five, I, I quit, and I joined this venture crew, it was like, we just go and do stuff, it wasn't, like, Boy Scouts, but it was related, and then the, the Mountain Warfare, like, National Guard training center, like, of a mount, like, picked five of us that were, like, super psyched, and they started training us. Oh, nice. And they like took us and did a multi-pitch in North Conway, but yeah, I was like, so those guys like were like teaching us all this stuff, and I didn't know that part of the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, like, pretty random. <laughs> and like, Brian Malone, uh, shouts Brian Malone, uh, one of the token non-climbers who gets shout outs yeah, from the Brian climbing Malone. zine. Wasn't he along for the, some of the Boy Scout adventures as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Brian Malone's a, a good uh, good friend of the zine and the podcast and yeah. he was there for the chris Calouse interview too oh yeah 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 he's the him and greg pettis were the two that could write about climbing well without climbing much but brian's was like a non-climbers perspective on climbing or something even more redundant than that but anyways brian Malone got a shout out i first met you over 20 years ago now it's it's crazy that we are kind of the OGs in climbing, because it really all doesn't seem that long ago, but I mean, that's how life is. But I think I met you in probably like 2002 or something, right? At Western, it's, it was Western State College then in Colorado, Gunnison, Colorado. Now it's Western Colorado University. 
and we just kind of became buddies. I think I was a couple years older than you, and I was like the guy you and Scott Borden. Scott Borden talked about this in, in his episode. Yeah, the guy living um, the guy living at Hartman's. The guy living at Hartman's. Yeah, that was me. That. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I was like your one of your insights into dirtbagging. I had really only been dirtbagging for like a year or two myself, but. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty simple. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't know you could do it. Yeah, no one, no one knows. Like, especially yeah. Yeah, you go up in the east or the Midwest, like all these public lands that you could just live out of. You don't really know that. Um, but that's when we met. And then, you know, I've got kind of some claim to fame, like in the Mark running career of like, I belayed you, I think, on your first trad lead or something. Yeah. And then we also, I was with you when you were doing your first first ascent. Oh yeah, yeah. Because and and this is kind of I guess a good starting point of like our our friendship together. Looking for a first ascent, I don't think I'd ever done a desert first ascent either. I'd maybe done a couple vaulted routes at Hartman Rocks, yeah, but never had done a, a trad route. And we were we were going for something that we thought was a new route, and we were also both like guides for wilderness pursuits which is yeah it's kind of funny now that you think about it that you can be a guide in college when you really don't know what you're doing but i made <laughs> an american death triangle my first day guiding. <laughs> that's true i remember the debrief on that <laughs> i lost my squids <laughs> you were leading we're in escalade canyon which for me and you is it was a central place to our college life as well what yeah, what, yeah it set the scene i mean well, story. it is a place that's it's very much like a little Indian Creek. Yeah. And it's is it it's in between Delta and Junction, right? Yeah. 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 I had multiple like paranormal experiences there. One time with Chris Benson with the Pete incident, right? Yeah, the Pete lady. We we heard a voice from the cliffs that we could never pinpoint. It was like one to two in the morning and there was no lights. We couldn't see where they were. And they were just saying Pete, Pete, Pete all night. Yeah. We had to move, right? Yeah, we, we got moved. so we freaked out. out. We was, moved. She was freaky. I had an experience too where we slept in the cabin because I think the cabin wall is actually closed down now. Yeah, some acts. I think it was always private property. And then. Uh, um, so no no more redneck justice. Maybe no more redneck justice. Um, I know there's a Climbers Coalition junction and I'm sure they're working on it. But at the moment, I think cabin wall is closed. Dang. But. I stayed in that cabin. It was Ooh. built by a Civil War veteran. Whoa. Me and Marcus Muniz <laughs> stayed in there, and I had the I had like war dreams all night. Whoa! Yeah, it was wow. crazy. So Escalon, a beautiful place, maybe a bit haunted. Maybe the history is a little crazy. But we're on this route. We think it's a first ascent, and you're leading up. It's like point fives or red aliens or whatever, and you fall. I don't know, maybe thirty five feet up, and you fell. Popped a piece. I think it was a red alien, right? Yeah, red alien. And then you flipped upside down. Yeah, I'm not sure. I was actually even talking talking to my client that yesterday, talking about like not getting the rope behind your ankle. I don't know if it was a rope behind the ankle or if I just slipped out of a layback and started mm-hmm. going head first, but ended up head first. That was like a big moment, like because I had also had a head first fall like a year or two before that in the monument. Yeah, Colorado National Monument, and the same thing happened to me. Like one more piece, and I would have landed on my head, and it yeah. would have been a bad rescue. But that was uh, that was like a first defining moment for us because, and then we we got to the top of the route, and we realized it wasn't even a first ascent. Yeah. Like there was already there was like one sling around like, like chalkstone, chalk so we still yeah. had to drill, and it yeah. wasn't a first ascent. Yeah. Um, and then later we got our first route together, which was living the dream. Living the dream. Living the dream is is uh, probably went into obscurity. But I think that was like 2003 or something, right? Craziness, craziness. So, but our our friendship was really developed around I think escaping to the desert and 
I think about my college career and just the importance of getting out of Gunnison because, you know, I'm not really a big winter person, even though I did live in Colorado for like 22 winters. The coldest place in Colorado. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I'm finally coming to my senses and living the life down here. But in, in Gunnison, yeah, I would have a hard time with the seasonal affective disorder in the winter or whatever. And then we would go to Escalante Canyon all the time. And um, yeah, we put up living the dream. <laughs> The, you know, and then your your college life got super crazy um, because, yeah, college goes by. We're becoming buddies. We're both in the rescue team. We're both on wilderness pursuits, hot tub parties at your house, <laughs> like a homemade hot tub. Yeah, no chemicals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and then you have these crazy, you had this like string of like near-death experiences starting with I think was was it with your your skiing accident where you lacerated your liver? Lacerated liver, yeah. Yeah, so you're skiing on Monarch, and you lacerated your liver, and you had to get flight for life. Yeah, and you recovered from that, and then you got caught in avalanche. Avalanche while ice climbing in Silverton while yeah. ice climbing. Steve Nigro falls like what a hundred some feet or something yeah kind of like tumbling down our like friend we, steve, shout out to steve nigro well like we were like oh it's too dangerous to climb like stairway to heaven we we didn't like it looked like a full summit we thought it was just like a low angle river you could just couldn't see the big avalanche pull above and wrong, wrong decision but you're you're young kids yeah. and the anchor like blows out and stuff oh, right yeah, like, crazy like steve backed it up with an ice screw one piton pulled the cordelette one leg broke with the cordelette and then the the ice screw that he put in as a backup was the only thing that held me and Scotty on. Whew. Well, thankfully, yeah. Steve did that. Or yeah, and, and you were with Scott Borden and, and Steve Nigro, and um, and then I feel like it was weeks later then uh, all this happened, and and luckily Steve made a, a great recovery, um, and strong, strong individual that Steve is, yeah. and then you got diagnosed with cancer, um, yeah. testicular cancer. It uh, kind of be like weeks after that, right? Weeks after the avalanche, or was it the same winter? I don't know. The yeah, same winter. I'm sure it's all a blur for you. Yeah. You get testicular cancer. You have to get a testicle removed, and then you have to get immediately get radiation treatment. And it's your senior year of college, and it was just this crazy time, and obviously a bonding yeah. experience for us um, as friends, because you know we would go with you to the the treatment center in, in Grand Junction, and then. I think and something I haven't really talked about yet is just like your motivation um, as a climber and your psych, like your level of excitement for climbing was so high when we we're doing, it. I think that's yeah. why we made good partners too. Cause I was always, I was like getting strong and I was a good climber, but I kind of needed that motivated partner, but this didn't, you didn't let cancer get in the way of you being motivated. Yeah. <laughs> and then it was like Escalante Canyon. So you would go, to get radiation treatment, um, was it five days a week in Junction? I think so, like yeah, all so week. Two and a half hour drive in the winter, crazy, crazy stuff. You'd get your radiation treatment at like maybe 9 a.m. or something. Yeah. Uh, I remember you getting mad at me for like smoking weed in one of the trips or something. You're like, dude, <laughs> I got this 9 a.m. like radiation appointment. You're like smoking a bowl in the car, <laughs> you know? You said you made us late. I don't, I don't remember. You don't that. remember that, but I, I, I remember it was like, Mark's probably right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Last time it was uh, it was bottles, bottled beers, right? Bottle beers. Yeah, yeah. The podcast uh, beer opening. Mark, Mark's excited about that. The really interesting thing and, and just motivating thing is that you, yeah, you wanted to climb every single time. And like speaking to Redneck Justice, like you literally would lead Redneck Justice 
hours after getting, you know, an hour after getting radiation treatment. And I know, you know, so many different people came with you. And then like some of the stories would be like, yeah, Mark put, Mark put up redneck justice with, for the listener is like kind of like a Johnny cat, like a, a bullet hold, like Johnny cat, I guess in the Creek, like just a super steep finger crack yeah, and in a sandbag 10 plus like, Oh yeah. The but sign, it did have bullet plaques has 10 plus plus yeah. plus plus. Yeah. <laughs> plus 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 <laughs> Jimmy Dunn style. Um, but that was your style. And then, I mean, it didn't end there. Like you, you did radiation and your cancer came back. Um, your climbing gear got stolen in that time period too. You just had this, it was like this 10 minutes where like my climbing gear all got stolen, but I was in like my first AMJ course. And then like I went out, all my gear got stolen out of the back of Weewall's truck, called my parents. And then they told me the doctor had, when I told my parents that my gear got stolen, they were like, Oh, we also like the doctor told you the told us the cancer came back so i was gonna have to get basically like chemo all summer so like no more guiding or anything yeah and just like your your run of luck it couldn't have been it couldn't have been worse but you yeah you handle it so yeah and then like you're climbing just the insult to injury like your climbing gear gets stolen but and i'm sure that the chemotherapy period i mean, I would just talk to you on the phone i wasn't actually hanging out with you i'm sure that that was um, a low point for sure, but yeah. you like you came out of that. Obviously, <laughs> we're having this conversation right now, um, and you also have a child, so it's like yeah. you're, uh, you know, the uh, testicular cancer did not did not get you, and you kind of came out of that time period. And you, I remember you you went and did uh, Medicine Man, yep. Scott Borden, yeah. and. Uh, anyone knows Medicine Man, and, and we're being very like junction specific. I'm realizing <laughs> <laughs> we did climb in the black too, but so many of our experiences are junction specific. Um, yeah. I'm realizing this climb, Medicine Man, has one of the best tower pitches in the desert, um, especially if you like number ones. It's just like whatever the rating is. I think it's varied from 12C to 11 plus. Um, definitely not 12C, but it's it's number ones, and yeah. it's high on a tower, and uh, it's hard. Yeah, it's not it's not easy number ones. Yeah. And you, you sent that shortly after finishing up chemo and you were like, fuck you, cancer. Uh-huh. And I think this is Brian Scott's episode too, but yeah. I think that's a definitive like Mark Grunin moment, you know, where you're like, yeah, fuck you, cancer. Yeah. It's, it's crazy that all, all that was so long ago. And part of the like, like say I could be your biographer is I wrote an article about this um, for the Mountain Gazette. And it was like my first big published article in a magazine back when people cared about magazines (laughs) and so that was like it was just interesting it was like our adventures together were also central to like my writing career you know which is really cool um then i i I just remember like moving climbs after that like just because i was like i mean honestly i just didn't know if i was gonna live kind of deal and like doing like shapoopy called me up i was like (laughs) oh i want to do the nose with you like because he had been in my guiding courses and Oh, that's we did, right. We did, we did nose in a day. Yeah. And you know, like just, oh, it was like yeah. recently after, pretty recently after all the cancer stuff too. And I was just like, kind of one of those moments where I was like fucking in tears, like topping out the route with him. Yeah. That was pretty cool. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Absolutely. So Steve uh, Shapoopy is, is Steve Schneider, right? Yeah. Talk about him as a friend. I mean, this is not chronological, but I know that he always comes up. And then I just first met him at the facelift um, this last year. But yeah, tell us about like climbing the nose in a day with him and like Yeah, well I mean yeah. so he was basically he was in my in my guiding courses and my guiding exam too later and uh just met him there and then I mean just a valley legend. I didn't know who he was when he was first in the course. I was like, Who's I, I knew all the Black Canyon people. I was like, Who's the Steve Schneider guy? 
but just the super classic amazing like yosemite legend and yeah like brought me along took me up the nose i didn't know how to like lower out i was being super <laughs> sketchy wow. you, you like, did the nose of the day and you didn't know how to lower out no wow no. He's like yelling over <laughs> he just guy. taught you though huh yeah, yeah he yeah, taught me yeah. all the way up and was like yeah. do this yeah and i think he said that i think that may have been the last time he did nose in a day like wow uh, I don't, yeah, I think and so. Steve, he's like done El Cap like three times in a day, and he's in the hundred club too. Like, yeah, he was climbing five fourteen what in like the early nineties or yeah, late eighties or something. So yeah, coming out of college, um, you're having you've had all these crazy near death experiences, um, and then you you kind of you you decide to become a guide, and I feel like a lot of our friends decided to become guys, but you're kind of the one that's still really doing it now. Um, and we started coming down here to Mexico. Yeah. And like Mexico is the new Grand Junction. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But our first trip down here, um, we uh Scotty and I had come the year before, Scott Borden and I, and we had this amazing time. And then we came down with you and Two Tent Timmy, Two Tent Timmy's first trip as well. And you didn't know any Spanish, right? Or you no, knew no. Um, <laughs> Baño and Cerveza. Yeah. yeah and have a trip where every single day it rained and was like drizzly oh, but yeah. like there was semi-climbable the first day yeah. there was icicles <laughs> on the routes like the only time i've seen icicles that trip you guys we i, I think i was not i wasn't as psyched but you was your first time here so you and timmy were like oh, climbing yeah. you're climbing just despite yeah. the the drizzle or whatever and then i make this mole <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm one night you, you guys go out camping or you guys go out climbing and I'm, I'm staying back at camp and I'm like, I'm going to make this mole and everyone's going to love it. You know, I put all this care, but I never made mole. I just had the pace <laughs> and I made it way too strong yeah. and it made Scotty puke. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so my nickname became mole. Yeah. Yeah. Which we'll, we'll tie that back in later. You spend a ton of time here. You meet your wife here, yep. Norma. Yeah. And you really start to become a part of, of this community. Um, what was it like when you were like first in the in-between period of like, cause you didn't know any Spanish. Now you can talk to people in Spanish. Like you're, you're fluent in Spanish. Um, at least conversationally. Um, I still in conversations, like I can't, I'm like learning words now, yeah. but like, what is that time period like where you like you meet Norma and like your whole life starts to become Mexico but you still aren't because I remember when you guys when you guys first got together, neither one of you spoke each other's language too much, which is super interesting. Like, what, what was that time period like of like, wow, shit, my life is going to be here. But I don't quite like you're driving. You talk about the driving and and like learning the language. And what was that time period just like in your life? I mean, I didn't know that my life was going to be down here. But that's a good point. You know, yeah. I. Yeah, I mean, it was transition and learning a lot about Spanish and living down here, but. And so what, I mean, you're something I think you're known for down here and you got into is, is putting up new roots. Yeah. And I'm sure you don't like keep a towel or anything, but you've got new roots all over a lot of these, these areas here in Potrero and, uh, or in, in Monterey rather, um, you got roots in Potrero, El Salto, Cumbia Cave, all these different places. Where did you where did you first start putting up roots here? Was it in Potrero or was it in El Salto or? I think the first route was in Potrero because I think I put one up at the Outrage Wall and I was like I emailed someone because I like knew all the bolters hated each other so I like emailed someone <laughs> to make sure it was cool and then he didn't write back and then 
Like something you rebolted. No, no, or, a new route. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, I put it like a new route. Oh, like in the vicinity of somebody's or? Yeah, yeah. it's like because it's, cl- yeah. And I so see, I was like I making see. sure it was yeah. okay with them. And, and then, yeah. But then I got, I mean, that was just the one. And then I got, and then I, like these friends like heard about Cuevo Oso was like the first cave. So there was like a series of caves. And that one was like the biggest hike, the furthest away, but we were a little too psyched. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we were like, everyone yeah. thinks their baby's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> is, I mean, it's amazing climbing, but yeah. it's just like, it's a long hike. Mm-hmm. It's cool, but like, it's an adventure. Um, yeah. And then that kind of like, then I started forging really like these. But you almost like, not to interrupt you, but you kind of need that first area. And obviously you developed before, but you almost need that first area as like your practice yeah, or something like develop a whole crag. Like for me, the, the creek was like that dove creek wall. You've, I don't think you've ever been there because we haven't climbed the creek in forever, but it's like this wall that has seven roots yeah. and you know, like four of them are really good. And then a couple of them are just okay. But you kind of need that first area really yeah. put the trail in and then see if people are going to go there. Cause you really don't want to develop a whole area unless people are going to go. Oh, there. we developed it. Yeah. And then <laughs> people don't go there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I heard there are some people that live cause it's closer to the Matamora. Like there's some climbers that have been going there. Nice. Um, but yeah. Like, and we're figuring out, we're like, what's a glue in? And we're like, these bolts aren't working in the soft rock. And then like, like a glue in bolt. And we're like, Oh yeah. Cause so yeah. Expansion it bolts. It was so soft. The expansion bolts weren't going in on some, like these softer, like five ten was over there. It was like really soft. Like the white style. rock or whatever yeah. yeah yeah and then yeah that was like a series of them then and then cumbia cave after that which was amazing the cumbia cave is i feel like that's the one that's of all the mark of the areas you've helped develop that's the one i feel like i hear people talk about still yeah well diente yeah. would they be talking about right that's a great we'll, we'll get into okay. we'll get into diente uh, yeah in yeah. a minute um but yeah cumbia cave if you're listening yeah and you're looking for like a horizontal tufa like the only place I've and I, I'm not super well traveled, but the only place I've climbed that was like that, even remotely, was Thailand. Yeah. And um, you just like this 3D tufa climbing is yeah. maybe my favorite style of climbing. Like it's, it's a little heady, but yeah. Um, yeah. So Cumbia Cave is that way. And uh, how did you guys find Cumbia Cave? We were going to find like a bigger cave. There's another cave, and it looks amazing still. It has big stalactites because you go down to Kumi and then you go up and that's where Matakane starts, like the, the canyoneering adventure. Uh-huh. So you go up that hill past there and there is a big cave with stalactites, but you go drive another hour and then hike an hour and you're just like, that's not sport climbing. Yeah. <laughs> but someone could do a really cool, cool routes there. So it's kind of like you're trying but to find something else. As we were going that hill yeah. and I had this like telescopic lens, I thought, saw this cave and I saw two big tufas. And we could just see like part of the cave, but like, oh, we were so psyched. Let's go. I, I got there and check it out. And then like when we got up there, it was actually way bigger than we realized. And there was all like, it was a bigger cave and we were psyched. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, we're recording this um, same location as our first, our first episode with Becky. And it was on a Sunday when I did the interview with Becky nice. um, Zuniga um, from Sweden, Alturas, which we got to talk about that too. But um, yeah, little, little noise in the background. But that area is so dope, and it's like on the way to El Salto. Uh, it's an adventure to get down there, but it's yeah, yeah. That's that's my favorite, I think, of all the places. But, but you never made it, Diente. Yeah. So yeah, let's talk about <laughs> El Diente, um, which is closer into Monterey, right? And it's a historic climb that's in this film, um, Suenos de Alturo. Um, did I get it right? Alturo. Uh, Alturas, Alturas. Yeah, Alturas. I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. Heights. 
Yeah. Dreams of heights. Heights, yeah, not yeah. dreams of height. Yeah. Um, which you were mentioned this this whole season. It's kind of perfect that we're doing this now because you, we started off by talking about you in that interview because you were interviewed for that film. Yeah. Um, but you still haven't seen the film. So, like, the film is... <laughs> <laughs> you're like, yeah. You really want to see this film, and it keeps see it. you like. <laughs> maybe maybe Becky can can uh, arrange that for you or oh, something. Yeah, but <laughs> we're gonna show it in Durango. Too. Oh sweet. Yeah, maybe oh, you can man. make it to Durango. But anyways, El Diente was in that um, film as a yeah. historical climb, and it's um, the main feature. What is a is a huge huge monolith spire, right? Yeah. Um, like how tall? Like fifteen hundred feet. Something. Holy shit! Yeah. And you can see, and it was in this era of Mexican climbing. It was on in like the fifties or sixties or something. Yeah, um, kind of like the Piton area. Piton making their oh, own Piton. I love that they call them nails. Yeah, <laughs> in the yeah, in yeah. the movie they called them nails. The movie's great, by the way. And like, we helped yeah, interview, yeah. like we interviewed some of those guys too. And oh, they were, sweet! They're telling stories yeah. that they only had one carabiner, so they would belay with it. But then the leader would have to untie and then yeah, like, they untie and thread it through the piton. The piton. That's yeah. insane. Is that in the movie? Yeah. Oh, sweet. That's yeah. Awesome. yeah, yeah. The old guys like literally showing how they did yeah. it. So they they had one carabiner. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the Mexican, the old school Mexican climbers are mad respect to them because yeah. they were they were like in an era where you already had less, and then you're they're in Mexico. Yeah, that's yeah. Um, so so rad. So El Diente is this yeah massive, and you can see it in Monterey, right? Yeah, you're like driving by on the way to El Salto behind the HEB, the last HEB. You can see it right there. And your wife is from Monterey, and it's in the park, Norma. National so park, you're yeah. you guys base in Monterey quite a bit. Yeah, the when we were um, living down here for the ten winters, we were yeah. in Monterey. Right. And Diente yeah. was like 15 minutes from my house. Oh, my God. Yeah. And yeah, you're developing two for roots. And, yeah. Um, so you were just like in the zone with this place. And it had it been restricted before or was it after things got started like getting developed for climbing or? Um, so basically, I mean, a, a mining, own, mining company owns the access. It's all national park. But in Mexico riverbeds and dry riverbeds like it's in the constitution or federal um so we would hike up the dry riverbed into the climbing area hypothetically because you know this happened if if they're trying to sue me sure yeah 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 <laughs> hypothetically <laughs> this is going on yeah because uh, they put lawsuits yeah. against hawaii and stuff right it, was, it got scary i know i remember that it sounded really scary yeah um so um yeah we were going up the riverbed and I mean, it was like a year-ish that we were climbing and bolting there. And then eventually, I mean, they didn't want us there. And they would, like, try to scare us. But then we'd all become friends with the security guard. Like, he'd <laughs> get his on his four by, four by four. And then eventually, like, like that and all that was working for them. So they, like, I mean, they obviously, like, paid the police. There was police in the river waiting for us for, like, months, I guess, to keep yeah. us out. That's, yeah, huge, uh, huge bummer and... I mean, stuff like this happens, I guess, in all, all kinds of countries all the yeah. time, you know. But I mean, there's yeah. no, uh, there's no access fund here, and yeah, right. There's no like, like Howell was doing these legal battles, like he was constantly going to like get these documents and stuff, but then it just got really scary because they're powerful and yeah, and we're just like, this is too real. I mean, it's just rock climbing, but it's really good rock climbing, but right, yeah. But you're like, well, there's other areas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're not gonna risk our our safety and yeah, but I mean, like, the actual us, climbing yeah. is in the national park, so yeah, yeah. So maybe hopefully. One day, one El day Diente. One day I'll get to go there. Um, play for it. Maybe when we're old men, we'll just. Uh, you can hike four hours from La Vesteca. <laughs> all right, maybe that maybe we'll make a movie about that or something. Yeah, <laughs> or somebody cool. should. That'd be cool. Yeah, but yeah, so it's so cool that obviously yeah you were interviewed for this film and um, I feel like you're just 
you're really a part of uh, the climbing scene here, and you, you've done so much. And uh, yeah, I'd love to chat with you about stuff in Potrero because you know I've noticed, and we were talking about this yesterday, or you were saying it. We talk about it all the time, but you're like, Potrero needs a lot of love. Like it's a place yeah. where that's probably become more popular than anyone could have imagined originally. I would guess. I mean, and this place is all bolted, and not only does this place need rebolting, but it also needs maintenance uh, for trundling, yeah, you know? That's and that's, one. like, something that I've been trying to fill up all my social media while I'm here with just, like, trundling and bolting stuff just so people know what goes into it because 99.9% of people that climb here aren't bolting or cleaning or no. doing anything. They're just going up and down. Um, but then... And I think especially when you, you get to know limestone, because then once you can read limestone, you can know a sketchy block when you see it. Um, and I've I've cleaned like nine or ten blocks while I've been here um, off major routes that should have been cleaned probably on the first ascent. Um, and you guys have done some stuff. You guys have did some stuff at Estorita, right? Uh, Estorita, yeah, Space like, Boys. Yeah, we closed, like, they, we all work together. Like Kind of all the guys, it's kind of cool. We all work together, close down the canyon, and and clear the blocks and it's scary how big and, and how easy they go that's the thing yeah we just put a crowbar behind something and it just goes yeah. like and i'm sure carla was was involved in this yeah. and yep. um carla carla saved me in this trip because i the drill i brought wasn't good enough because the rock here is so fucking hard it's almost like granite um compared to colorado limestone i guess like yeah my drill just like straight up barely worked here or didn't work um, and then Carla let me her drill and then like, she's let me her nut tool and like, she's got the Aska stash and, oh, yeah. and everything like that. But, um, so yeah, like massive blocks were cleaned up. Esterita and you said space boys and it is pretty cool. The org- level of organization here now Yeah, that happens behind these things. And I mean, whenever I'm at the crag trundling, like there's the one person that doesn't know what you're doing that's annoyed, you know? Yeah. And you, you got to schedule your trundling. <laughs> like, yeah. that was the whole thing with the trundling we did in Virgin Canyon. It's like, all right, we're going up there at 7.30 a.m. before everyone gets up there. We're having lookouts and this and that. And I imagine with the, the major ones, like, you're trundling because you're trundling right by this pavilion that they rebuild all the time. Like, he's getting, like, oh, you yeah. see that pavilion in Petrero. Up, like, it's, it's gone. that thing is, is always has, uh, like, major major holes in it um but so i'm guessing you guys just close down the road and everything huh? yeah no and they have yeah. like civil protection they have like unofficial like they help shut it down and yeah 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 that's that's so nuts and then yeah bowl replacement and just getting moosey hooks on everything too i think is a big deal like getting the lower off hooks um having that be a standard and yeah something we were talking about too is like only doing it up to like for 70 meter ropes like it's like some of the things that moosey hooks that are for 80 meter ropes are like it's gonna get other people into trouble because yeah there's just a lot there's, there's a lot of common mistake accidents that occur here and yeah Petrero is uh it's like a it disguises itself as being safe when it's actually um like pretty crazy yeah like Petrero is just as serious as yosemite or zion or yeah i mean the loose rock like black canyon loose rock thing is pretty pretty real here yeah yeah I, I, other, people just climb below, climbing below other people on multi-pitch here is super dangerous prime season you see it a lot yeah people get nervous they start climbing off route and pull the big blocks off that's the other thing here is the roots are uh, and i i've this is out the whole episode will will tie up back to on mole, <laughs> on mole. <laughs> but um 
I've been cleaning a root here that had a lot of cactuses. I'm getting bit by something. Are nope. you? No. Uh, some sort of bug. It's like a 90, 100 degree day here in Petrero. Not anymore. The sun's going down. Um, the Oh, the cactus killing. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like the fact that people put up roots that are 20 pitches long that you, you have to pull cactuses out like every step of the way is is incredible. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm blanket. Where was where was I going with this, Mark? I have no idea. <laughs> um, talking about the roots and the pioneers and the uh, just like removal of and time spent. Um, Loose rocks off to, the root. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. That that's what it was. It's like y- the line that is climbed has been cleaned so heavily yeah. of, and especially if we're talking about time wave zero Yankee Clipper space boys, yeah. jungle mountaineering, you're just like, they were just destroying vegetation the whole way. And if you go slightly off right or slightly off left, yeah. you're going to be in choss. Yeah. So I think that's the main difference between like a classic Yosemite route or a classic yeah. Zion route or red rocks where in Potrero and and I think that's where it comes down to being experienced or not experienced. Yeah. You know, because we'll, like, we'll see. And people are like, oh, like your seven, they'll try to pass another team, like yeah. climb between routes, and then they pull off refrigerator blocks, and it's not Yosemite. That's exactly what I was going for. I had a little yeah. brain fart there, but that's, I mean, that's, I think that's where Potrero is different than everywhere else is that you're basically going up these lines that were like paved, <laughs> you know, like they, yeah. vegetation, like, who knows how much time Magic Ed spent? <laughs> oh <laughs> he my gosh. He's arguably the most prolific Potrero multi-pitch root developer, oh, for right? Sure. Yeah. Magic Ed. Yeah. And this one's, this mean, one's yeah, for Magic Ed. And Dane Bass. And Dane Bass. Yeah, Dane yeah. Bass. I cleaned a couple of d- blocks off a of Dane Bass root that Spin Doctor. Oh nice. In Virgin Canyon, those blocks should have been cleaned off in the FA. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Dane Bass was probably hitting that metal pipe. <laughs> oh. I mean, the stuff loosens up too. Stoop stuff. No, these were obvious though. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, <okay. laughs> <laughs> mad respect for these original root developers yeah i mean magic ed like time wave zero like because you were saying did, did he go up with a partner on that like you wonder you're cleaning all this cactus time wave zero yeah w- or is that solo no or both I think it was a group i think it was like dane and magic ed and a okay a bunch of people i'm not i might have to look up the first sentence but but it's like, it how the fuck do you do that? Your partner's just throwing cactuses down, and you're at like a that would be worse than like an aid belay, yeah. you know, <laughs> like a <laughs> worse yeah. than an aid big ball belay. Yeah, God, um, so amazing. But yeah, so we're here. We're uh, this is like, I I've decided now that I want to spend more time here in Potrero in Mexico, and it's like so full circle. And now we finally put up another route together the other day. I mean. Yeah. All these trips are so crazy. Like, your trip in December, I think we had the most time then. Yeah. Because we, we actually got s- some good climbing days in in December. Because oh, yeah. you were here by yourself. Did you even work in December? Not a lot. I think we just all hung out, which is yeah. rare. Yeah. Especially as you get older in life, you get near 40. Like, you just turned 40. So, yeah. That happened, and then you came down for your 40th. Yeah. Like, for briefly. Yeah. Like, brief, we came. 40 for fun trip. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. We went to... Uh, the arch. What's the name of the arch area? Cerro Gujaralo. Yeah, really another dope, like amazing place. Yeah. Wade through water, hike for an hour, kind of adventure. Yeah. Um. And yeah, we celebrated your fortieth birthday. 
Yeah. It was amazing. And then you've, you've come down again, and we had one day to climb with the family. So your daughter, Isabella, who's nine, who loves to climb. Yeah. She's awesome. And so we get like a day with the family and Marcelo. Shout out to Marcelo. Yeah, Marcelo. And um, we, yeah, climbed a little bit the outrage wall. They have 511s that we never climbed. Oh, we always say we're going to go into. Perfect outrage day, dude. Yeah. We need to replace that rope now up there. Now it's 100. Yeah. Now it's 100. Yeah. The temperature swing here is 50 degrees, I yeah. think. Yeah. It's a big swing. If you're into Fahrenheit. Yeah. <laughs> starting <laughs> to learn the Celsius. You're like, 38 is hot. <laughs> like, so the hot. Celsius. Yeah. <laughs> it's a funny, funny barrier. Um, and then we get, we had one day left and I had been cleaning my route. So I rebolted Cabeza de Chivo. And Tonga LT, and then right next to it, I noticed the line to the left, which is kind of was a cactus killing route. Um, you can see my videos on Instagram. Um, a lot of murdering, and then it was like just about ready, just ready when you showed up, and you're like, "Let's fucking bolt this thing." Yeah. So we literally bolted. We got all the bolts in in one day. Yeah. Simul bolting. Simul bolting. This is amazing. So we hadn't done a route since Runaway Gym and Hartman's yeah. <laughs> five nine plus. Um, which was probably like 2006 or something. Yeah. Yeah. So we almost went, I bet we went like 17 years without putting a route up together. But now we're back. We did this route. We're going to call it Amale. Amale. We don't have to, th- I think we have to keep it a secret. I think this episode is going to come out when it's not Pachero season. Because no. it's not Pachero season now. Definitely not. And you, yeah, you're going to be the second episode of the season. So um, Amale, Virgin Canyon. It's going to be our, our comeback route together. And then. I'm not bolting any more cactus routes, though. No, steep, steep orange cactus-free routes. Yes, the yes. Um, but Virgin Canyon, it's pretty pretty special to have, like, a new route in Virgin oh, yeah. Canyon. Yeah. And uh, we're going to call it on mole for the uh, my classic mole dish. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll have a 20th anniversary of the uh, the mole party. Oh, yeah. and I'll, oh, we We'll mole? get some catered mole. You missed the mole last night. There was some mole. Chicharron, oh, Chicharron and mole. Checos has good mole. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm like ashamed to eat mole. Yeah. <laughs> like mole the, the 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 mole brings me shame. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I think we should we should have a big mole party. Yeah. Well, Scotty, yeah. Go to Puebla, like the home of mole. We'll all go to Puebla. Oh. Eat mole. Is that in Oaxaca? No. Uh, no. Uh. It's in Puebla. Where's Puebla? Is that a state? Kinda, uh near Mexico City, sorta. Oh okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But uh, yeah, man, it's uh, it's it's been an adventure of our time together, and it's been amazing. And um, I feel like it's so cool to still be connected, especially after many years of maybe not being connected. And we're like, we're back at it. We're bolting yeah. roots together. Yeah, we're spending our lives in Mexico. You you kind of showed me the way, even though I brought you here. Yeah, you're. I've learned so much about Mexico from you, and like had so many adventures in Mexico, and had all these experiences here that I never would have had if, if you weren't my homie, yeah. you know? So it's been, and especially with Norma too, just like Norma being from here, like her, her connection to this place and hanging out in Monterey and going to all these places. Yeah. It's, um, it's been a, the adventure of a lifetime and yeah, grateful for it. Um, what else, Mark, you got any, got anything to add at the, uh, um, the end of our, uh, our, po- our, our second podcast. Uh, second one. Uh, let's get wild. Let's get wild. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Cheers, brother. Damn. Oh.
that was my conversation with my good friend Mark Grundon. Listening to these makes me miss Mexico and definitely will be back there in the fall and the winter. Just really appreciate Mark doing this interview for me and uh, breaking the Vermont curse. <laughs> the music from this episode is by Devin Dabney. Devin has an awesome uh, podcast called The American Climbing Project. I think they're on a bit of a hiatus right now, but they've got a good bank of episodes and hopefully that will continue in the future. Our digital editor and producer is Chad Rich. And signing off from beautiful Durango, Colorado, I'm Luke Mihal. Peace.